Not that I have already obtained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Please be seated. Now, young people, children, I have a question for you. I'm looking at you, young people, kids. I'm looking at you. Uh, when Jesus said that the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, of whom was he speaking? Young people, kids. When Jesus said the kingdom of God belongs to such as these, of whom is he speaking? Kiva? <laughs> Nora? You know who he's talking about? Yes, you! Children. He was talking about children. The kingdom of God belongs to the children, which means all of us get to be children for the rest of our lives. And because I love Jesus and I take him seriously, this sermon today is for you guys. But because all of us are called to be like children, it's for everybody as well. Now, kids, one of the things that you have maybe figured out by now is that following Jesus and doing what he says oops, is, uh, is hard. Um, and sometimes it's really hard to do what Jesus tells us to do. Some things feel impossible to do, right? And some things feel painful to do. But in today's uh, passage from St. Paul and Philippians, St. Paul uses a lot of sports or muscle kind of talk. He talks about pressing on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus takes hold of him. He talks about straining, pressing, groaning, pushing. <laughs> I did it. Now, here's how Eugene Peterson puts our passage today, which is really quite marvelous. He says, I'm not saying that I have all this together, that I have made it, but I'm well on my way reaching out for Christ who has so wondrously reached out for me. Friends, don't get me wrong. By no means do I count myself an expert in all of this, but I've got my eye on the goal where God is beckoning us onward to Jesus. I'm off and running, and I'm not turning back. So a lot of the Christian life is like this. You're pushing things ahead, and you're thinking to yourself, can I really do it? And the question is, where are we headed? So I need some help. Mother Sarah and Kennedy, would you help me? Because this morning, uh, well, my wife is an artist, and she, she very kindly said she would help me, but then she, well, she was not well. So my kids and I, this morning, made a banner. So will you guys come over here? So Blythe, Sebastian, and I did a banner together. It's not the most elite piece of artwork, but it definitely is colorful. So... Uh, Mother Sarah, will you stand here? And then Kennedy, you stand like over here. There we go. So it's a little bit of an angle so our friends can see it. So there's the goal, right, that Paul talks about. I'm pressing on towards the goal. What is the goal? The goal is fullness of life in Jesus. You guys get the stand there the whole time. So use all your muscles because I'm going to depend upon you. Now, in Mother Sarah's sermon last week, she talked to us about how no matter what happens to us, young people, kids, no matter what happens to you, hopefully, it's all going to be about meeting Jesus in those moments. And today, I would like to share with you about what it means to meet Jesus in the face of things that feel impossible 
and in the face of things that feel painful, right? Impossible and painful. And raise your hand if you've ever had something in your life that felt impossible or painful. Raise your hand. Good. Everybody's honest in this <laughs> room. Okay. We're also going to repeat a, a refrain together, kids. So you guys are going to help me. And uh, the young at heart are also going to help me. Here's our refrain. We're going to say it together. Ready? I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. That was awesome. Okay. Now, just the kids in this room. Will you guys do it with me? Please do it with me. Okay. Ready? Just the kids. Uh, however young you want to regard yourself, okay? So, ready? We're going to do the kids. Ready? I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Well done, guys. Okay, first, things that feel impossible. Now, just so I can get a sense, if you're a kid, would you raise your hand so I can make sure I see you everywhere that you are? I see you. All right, good, good, good. Okay. Now, what kinds of things feel impossible? Kiva, what feels impossible to you sometimes in life? Doing math homework, yes. Can I get an amen? Nora, what about you? What things feel impossible? What's that? Oh, picking up her. Yeah, oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Elliot, what feels impossible to you? You don't know? Well, how about this? I'm going to give you a suggestion. Let me tell you something that feels impossible, in my thinking, getting along with our brothers and sisters or cousins or school friends or neighborhood kids, or kids at church. So I have an older sister. This is her right here. I, I don't know if you can see her. We're about 12 and 14-ish, I think. Uh, and we're smiling in this picture. This is a rare occasion for us when we were kids. We used to fight all the time for reasons that escaped my parents' sort of ability to understand. And sometimes we would just get into it really badly. So I'm not recommending this, but I'm just telling you honestly what it was like for me. So I must have been around 10. She must have been around 12. We were in our backyard in Guatemala, and we got into this fight about something that was dumb, because it usually is dumb, right? And it escalated and got worse, and we started, like, wrestling and hitting and scratching and all those kind of things that kids sometimes do, but don't do them. I did them. And then I, in sort of my, you know, being littler than her, I kicked her and then ran away to the back of the yard. And as I'm running, I look back behind me, and she has the BB gun in her hands, and she shoots me in the back. And I squeal and yell, and I'm getting so mad. And then my parents eventually heard that something was going on, and they came, and they gave us some stern words and some consequences. My sister, Christine, and I, it sometimes felt impossible to get along with each other. And I'm wondering, adults, grown-ups in this room, if you have somebody in your mind that maybe feels really hard or impossible to get along. Maybe they're a church of the cross. Maybe they're a family member, extended family member, maybe some other group of Christians in the world. But sometimes things in our lives Maybe it's like heart stuff that God wants to do, and we feel and think, I can't do it. But you know what? God is in the business of doing impossible things, right? So he's the one that created the universe. And I don't know if you guys saw, there's this new telescope called the James Webb Telescope, and it gave us images of amazing stuff in the universe, right? This is the one who made everything, the whole universe. Now, 
God also did something that everybody in Jesus' time and still today thinks is impossible. He raised Jesus from the dead. And that same power that God uses to raise Jesus from the dead, he gives to you and you and you guys over there. I see you, right? To help us to love the people that feel really, really, really hard to love. So maybe one of the things that we can do today in the days to come is when we find ourselves struggling to get along with people, we can ask the Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, please give me that same power that raised Jesus from the dead to help my heart to love. And maybe you won't feel it in the moment. Maybe you actually won't love them in the moment. Maybe you will not feel that there's any power from Jesus helping you. But here's my hope for you. In praying and in asking, as Mother Aunt Sarah reminded us, somehow you'll feel close to Jesus. Okay, so let's say our refrain again. Ready? I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So some things in our lives feel impossible, and some things in our lives feel painful. And I've talked about this before, but one of the things that's been really hard for me at different points in my life is being, is being and feeling lonely. Now, kids, how many of you have ever felt at any point in your life lonely? Raise your hand. Maybe I don't know, at school or at church or with kids in the neighborhood, grown-ups, let's be bold. How many of you have ever felt lonely at some time in your life? Maybe you have felt unseen, unappreciated, underappreciated. Well, here's me in, in fifth grade, and I've talked about this before. My, my family lived in Guatemala. We were missionaries there, but we went one year up to uh, Deerfield, Illinois. I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anybody at school. I didn't know anybody at church. I didn't know anybody in my neighborhood. And I remember sometimes sitting on the playground at school by myself because none of the kids wanted to play with me. I just had my head down and I'd feel so, so sad. And sometimes I would start crying, but I didn't want anybody to see me cry because then that would be really embarrassing. So I just felt even more alone. And it's hard, right, to feel alone, to feel left out, like when other kids are playing a game together, and they don't invite you to play with them. And it's so, so hard. But here's, here's the thought for you. Again, Mother Sarah encouraged us to think about this. Maybe when we're feeling lonely, maybe what we can do is ask Jesus to be with us in that feeling of loneliness. Because Jesus himself felt lonely. Here's a picture of Jesus in the garden. And, and you would think that gardens would be places of peace and beauty and ease. But for Jesus, on the night before he is betrayed and, and uh, his clothes are taken off and he's beaten and he's led to Golgotha to be crucified, he's in this garden and he is praying to his father, please let this, this thing that is about to happen to me not happen to me. And he's like to his friends, please stay with me. But they don't stay with me. He's so lonely in this moment. So when you feel lonely, I just want you to know Jesus knows how you feel. And I want you to invite Jesus to be with you in your loneliness so he can feel your feelings. And then you can feel his feeling and be comforted in some way that he is near at hand. Okay, let's say our refrain one more time. Ready? I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Now, kids, here's the thing that's super cool about the Bible. And even though, like on Sundays, different people preach sermons, and we preach it on like a little part, right? 
But the best part about the Bible is that the whole is what's really interesting. All parts of the Bible are talking to each other. So I'm only talking about one part, about pressing and straining and pressing and straining. But the part that comes right after is super cool because St. Paul knows that sometimes when we're trying to hold on to Jesus, we actually get discouraged and we run out of steam and we don't want to sometimes. And sometimes we just want to quit and say, I don't know if I can keep trusting Jesus in these things. And so here's what St. Paul says. Hey, when you're feeling discouraged or disappointed or you're wanting to give up, bring to mind people that have inspired you or encouraged your hearts to keep loving Jesus. Now, I have four people that I want to share with you uh, who have been really encouraging to me. So this is the part, right? Oh, you can go back, Connor. Stick with me, friends. Keep track of those you see running the same course, headed for the same goal. So I got got four people. I want to share these people with you because these people help my heart when I feel sad or mad or tired or not want to give up. So there's Jeremy Bagby over there. He's a theologian like me, and that's our day job. But one of the things that I love about Jeremy is he keeps reminding me how important prayer is when I'm doing all my studies and reading all the books and writing the things and getting ready to teach classes. He's like, David, don't forget to pray. Also, David, don't forget, it's all about Jesus. Okay, then Lisbeth Piedrasanta. How many of you actually know who Lisbeth Piedrasanta is? Probably not. But did you know that Church of the Cross is about to embark on a mission of of partnering with the Potter's House in Guatemala City? Lisbeth, about 35 years ago, single with another single female friend of hers, went to the garbage dump in the city of Guatemala. Now, how many of you have ever stuck your nose in the kitchen garbage? And just put your nose there. It's really, really stinky, isn't it? Just imagine like 10,000 kitchen garbage cans being thrown into one place. Imagine how smelly that is. Where there are very, very poor people who didn't have much, and they built little ramshackle houses all around this massive, just as big as you can imagine, dump of garbage, so they could find things to wear or to eat or to put in their house. And Lisbeth, a single woman, was told, don't do that. It's dangerous. Christians shouldn't be going to do Definitely you should not be going and do those things. But she had courage in her heart. Sometimes she was anxious and sometimes she was afraid. Sometimes she doubted. But she had courage in her heart that Jesus had given her to say, no, God is calling me and my friend Gladys to go in and to love these people. And they've been doing that for 35 years. And she encourages me when I feel like I don't have courage in my heart to do things that I need. I think Lisbeth Piedra Santa. And then there's Marva Don. She's also a theologian. But she had so many hard things in her life. She had cancer. She was blind in one eye. She had problems with her feet that made it sometimes impossible to walk. But Marva Don had so much joy in her life. She always had a smile on her face. And it doesn't mean that she was always happy, but she was holding on to the joy that Jesus gave her. Now, lastly, I want to tell you about one more person. His name is Chen Mingying, and it's hard to see him here, but you'll see him. I'm going to show a number of pictures. I heard about Chen Mingying when I was your old age. So I thought, I would love to share it with you, a story that I heard when I was a young kid. Okay, Chen Mingying was born in 1932 
in eastern China and grew up in Shanghai. There's, uh, let's see, let's see. Let's, uh, he grew up right around here, right around here. And then the next thing that happens to him is in this province of Anhui. I, I don't have a little lighter thing, so I have to go show it with my fingers. Okay, so he grew up in Shanghai, and he became a, a follower of Jesus when he was a, a young man. Very few people were followers of Jesus in his time. This is the communist era. And at 28 years old, he was arrested because he wouldn't stop telling other people about Jesus. And for the first three and a half years, Chen was one of five inmates crammed into one tiny, tiny, tiny little room, so small that the only way they could sleep is if they all slept on their sides back to back like sardines. Now, he was also hungry because they were not fed well. And sometimes he was so hungry, he would eat toothpaste to satisfy the cravings in his tummy. A few years after that, in 1964, Chen was moved inland to the province of Anhui, where he was in a labor camp or a prison labor camp, where he served for another 14 years. And after months of back-breaking work, Seven days a week, the prison leaders were so mad that they couldn't make Chen stop believing and loving Jesus that they gave him the worst job in the prison. Every day, he had to shovel human excrement. All the poop, all the pee that 6,000 inmates produced would all go down to this little cesspool area a short distance from where they lived in their cells. And Chen later recalled the struggle of those long and difficult years and how he often felt abandoned by God. And you can imagine maybe feeling something the same when you face something that's hard and it's always the same hard. And you think, where is God? And why is Jesus not answering my prayers? Now, this is what he said. Let me put it up here. He says, I spent my days deep in human waste, turning it with a shovel to make compost. And they thought I would be miserable, but actually I was happy. It smelled so bad that no one came near me so I could pray and sing aloud all day. If I didn't love Jesus, I would have died because the smell was so terrible. But I enjoyed being alone in the cesspool so I could pray to our Lord. I could read the scriptures and I could sing hymns loudly. And sometimes Chen really would struggle to say, Jesus, are you with me? And so one of the ways that he would help his heart to, to believe, to hold on that Jesus was with him, he would sing a song called In the Garden. These are the words. I come to the garden alone while the dew is still on the roses. And the voice I hear falling on my ear, the Son of God discloses. And he walks with me and he talks with me and he tells me I am his own. And the joy we share as we tarry there, none other has ever known. It was in 1978 that he was finally released from prison. Guys, he spent 18 years of his life. And here's a picture, a sweet picture of him about 10 years ago. He was 89. Elliot, how old are you right now? Eight. Eight. Eight plus 18, I think if my math is right, is 26. John Underwood, how old are you? 42. 42 plus 18. John, can you imagine the rest of like the 18 years? You're 60 years old. You come out. Chen's wife and little child, they died while he was in prison. 
but he kept holding on. And guys, when I struggle, I think to myself, I can't do it. These prayers I'm praying, they don't get answered. Or when I have hard times with people or painful times of feeling alone, I remember these people. I try to bring to my mind people like Jeremy and Elizabeth and Marva and Chen, and they help my heart just trust a little bit more. I can do it. So here's, here's my question to you guys as kids. Who in your life helps you to, to love Jesus or helps your heart to go, I can do it. <laughs> I can do the things that Jesus asked me to do. I wonder, maybe if you could think of one person that encourages or inspires you, and maybe you could print out a picture of them. You could put it on the fridge or in the bathroom mirror or uh, a refrigerator door. And like grown-ups, maybe we should do that too. Maybe we should think of one or two people that inspire us to keep persevering. Print it out. Put it out so you can see and they can encourage you. Let's say our refrain one last time. I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. So, younger brothers and sisters, you are part of this family. You're an important part of this family. We could not be the family of Jesus without you. And you need us, and we need you. We need each other, maybe more than we realize. But here's the thing. As much as you hold on to Jesus, guess what? He's holding on to you. And there's the goal. And one of these days, I am going to come to the end of my race. I'm pushing, <laughs> trying to stay faithful to Jesus. And then I'm going to be done. And I'm going to go be with Jesus. And I'm going to have fullness of life like I've never experienced it before. But between now and then, I'm going to hold on to Jesus and trust that he is holding on to me and that brothers and sisters, we're holding on to each other. So can we do that, young people? Can you guys encourage me too when you see that maybe I'm down or Mother Sarah or Mother Kimberly or anybody else, you can say, hang in there. I'm praying for you. And we're going to do the same for you, okay? Shall we make that a deal? We can be that body and that family together. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are faithful to us even when we are of little faith or even faithless. And you love us nonetheless in our faithlessness. You meet us in places that seem impossible. You meet us in places that feel painful. And I thank you for my younger brothers and sisters here and online Encourage them today, Jesus, I pray, that they might feel close to you and that we might also be encouraged by them and their trust in you. We pray in your good name, Jesus. Amen.